Welcome to West of Everest. I'm Lee Benson, and unfortunately, we are a little short on time today, but we wanted to get you all a post-Nebraska podcast, and we're happy this is working out as we record here late Monday evening. I'm saying we, of course, because here to help me talk OU Nebraska, Grant Benson, who has returned from his trip to Colorado. What's going on, Grant? Nothing much. Uh, kind of excited to talk about this game. This game has been pretty uh, pretty animating to the uh, to the fan base. I know a lot of people uh, feel very, very strongly about this game. I'm actually kind of glad that I wasn't watching it live with everyone else because I, I probably would have been kind of in the same boat there. And so... I sort of I feel like I have kind of a unique perspective on this game this week because I was mostly just watching it not live. I was wa- I I mostly watched the game for the first time this afternoon. So, uh really kind of excited to dig into it. So on the flip side, I watched all of the first half uh from my couch. I did not go to the game. And I was taking notes as I was watching it live because I know that it's, it's always a pain to, get, to go back and take so many notes. So I wanted to take notes live. And then after halftime, I was still taking notes. But by around the third quarter, into the third quarter, I had to go into News 9. I had to go to work. So I was more distracted, could not watch the game as closely. And so the last quarter, basically after Pat Fields' uh, two-point play, his two-point return, I watched everything from there kind of for the first time today, actually, and took notes on it. And so that was interesting because I, I definitely have a lot of thoughts on that. So I might have more thoughts on that part, portion of the game than a lot of the other parts of the game, especially the first half, which what was it, 7-3 to three at halftime? So, I mean, such an unusual score. Uh, it was kind of a kind of a slog to get through the first half. But we'll see where this goes. You, you've, you've got the whole game more fresh on your mind. I have the last quarter so very fresh on my mind. And let's kick this off. I'll begin with just... My overall thoughts, and I texted this to you a little bit earlier today, my overall thoughts on Oklahoma right now, and this is so 2021, it's just one big shoulder shrug emoji. I'm like, they're 3-0, great, but I, I know you, you kind of think after the two-lane game, you got mad at me a little bit for bringing up the expectations at the start of the year, and you're right, because it's game to game, and I get that. But I can't help but think back to the expectations because going into 2020, things were different. And I was texting you, if this is the way the team played at the start of last year, and this is where we are three games into last season, I would probably be feeling like, all right, you know what, there's a long way to go. The, the expectations were, I mean, they're always high at Oklahoma, but nobody was thinking national championship. So this is great. We're 3-0, and the Oklahoma's 3-0, and and they can get a lot better, and, and we'll see how they go. Now at 3-0 in 2021 with all of the expectation and how, how much we were told how good they were supposed to be and really what we saw with our eyes at the end of last season, that was a darn good football team. And a lot of those pieces are back. Seeing this team through three games, I repeat, for me, it's kind of just a giant shoulder shrug. Like, all right, let's see where this goes. Where are you? I think it's totally fair to say that. Um, and to be completely honest, it's not like they, they most certainly have not been dominant nor have they looked particularly pretty we don't count Western Carolina. I mean, yeah, it's it's disappointing. They have not looked as polished or dominant as anybody expected they would be. What they haven't been, though, is has been bad. I, they, they actually haven't been bad, really. Um, analytics are backing that up. SP Plus is backing that up. Um, if you go back and just kind of rewatch the Nebraska game, man, it really wasn't that bad. There were some, there were some things that they missed there um, that, I mean... 
I hope that Lincoln Riley is on is on Spencer Rattler in film so he can start to recognize some of that stuff. There were some things that you would that you would prefer they do better, obviously, like cover over the middle of the field, looking at you linebackers. Um, all of those things are totally fair game. But let's just kind of look at this realistically. That game was paid or was played at the pace that was perfect for Nebraska. The pace of that game was perfect for Nebraska. It kind of reminded me back in the day of how teams used to play against Peyton Manning and the Colts. They would just try to hold on to the ball as long as humanly possible, and it works. It keeps the offense off the field, um, and it prevents you from getting into a rhythm, and I think that's what we saw, especially in the first half with OU's offense. Um, I think if you go back and rewatch the game, you'll see... The offensive line asserting dominance for a vast majority of the game. They had a 61% success rate on called runs. Um, I thought for the most part, except for some glitches, the pass protection was pretty good. Uh, I really do believe Lincoln Riley when he says, this team is just a tick off. And I, you know what? He's pretty consistent with that type of rhetoric, with that type of language, because he was saying the exact same thing last year when they were 1-2. and two. Now, I know this is a totally different season and the expectations were, are, were completely different, but I'm, I'm kind of proposing that we take a step back for a second, understand that, of course, expectations are a big deal at Oklahoma and we're not just completely ignoring them, but I'm suggesting maybe we do just take it game to game because that's just, that's the best thing to do for you, for your brain, so you don't stress yourself out over this stuff. Um... I was texting back and forth with you, Lee, before coming on here today, and I, I really do believe this. Alabama, their, their run under Nick Saban and you know the last five or six years with Clemson and how they've just run through their conference and dominated, and to a lesser extent, Ohio State, but still dominating, has created a lot of really unrealistic expectations, I think, for teams around the country. Um, I think maybe it's, it's wise that we take a step back and, and, and don't judge this team based on uh, an unprecedented dominant run that a couple of programs are on right now. What do you think? Yeah, and, and I replied to you, I, I get what you're saying there, but I don't think that applies to this particular scenario because this is a one season. Uh, I, I, this, is, this is one season. I mean, if we were thinking like, okay, Oklahoma should be dominant for two, three, four, five years, okay, that's one thing. That's maybe not realistic, but given everything we knew about this team, last season and then everything we knew about this team going into 2021 it is very real realistic to anticipate and expect some dominant play especially in these first three games because I remember we went through the schedule this schedule how many times do we say this schedule just lines up perfectly for Oklahoma I mean yeah like, there's not I mean I said I don't really see a true trap game on here and the, they should be able to take care of these teams because Tulane didn't have a great defense they should be able to do do whatever they want against that two-lane defense the offense is, is going to be okay good challenge but it should be fine western carolina whatever and then nebraska okay we'll see what nebraska is and we find out i mean two-lane's defense is not good i mean ole miss's offense is very very good and had no problem with it uh and nebraska we'll see what they turn out to be but they, we already saw them lose to illinois earlier in the year their schedule is brutal so their record at the end of the season is not going to be all that great if they make a bowl game that would be great for them based on their schedule so i i, I just don't think the 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 Nick Saban, the Alabama thing applies to this because this team, with everything else going around in college football and what we're seeing in college football, how Alabama's inconsistent right now. Clemson's inconsistent. Ohio State's inconsistent. This was supposed to be the year for Oklahoma to have 
more pieces than those other elite teams. And Oklahoma, I guess in theory, does. But maybe they don't because through three games, this team is seemingly sleepwalking through this season. And and to be to be honest, like fair, like I'm not stressing out about you know the anything. I mean, I'm just kind of telling it the way I see it. Uh, but I will say, like you said, this is a game to game kind kind of thing. Yeah, you're right. I and I didn't really anticipate it to be as much of a game to game type of thing because by this time of the year, going into Big Twelve play. I thought Oklahoma would be hit firing on all cylinders and we'd be feeling pretty darn good going into Big 12 play. But at this point, you're right. Uh, all right. Well, they're 3-0. Now let's move on to West Virginia and hope that they can get past West Virginia as opposed to making that that improvement and that stride to like, all right, man, this team, they're this is a legitimate national championship contender. You can't say that anymore about Oklahoma. I guess... Sure. Like as they as they've shown so far, I, I agree with you. As it as this team in its current form is not national championship material, it's arguably not Big Twelve championship material. And that's a completely fair take to have. I agree with it right now, but I, I suppose maybe to just rephrase what I was what I was trying to say earlier. My point wasn't just to say, ah, eh, it's it's no big deal, you know, three and oh, take it while you can. It's it was more to say the season is not written yet. They're still 3-0. and Everything is still ahead of them. There is no rule. There is nothing anywhere that says because they have struggled in two of their first three games that they will continue to do so to the exact same extent. We do know with Lincoln-Riley teams, these teams get better as the season goes on. This has been consistent. It's a trend. It's happened in enough times now where it's not a fluke. And I really do believe that they can get better. Rewatching that game, there was a lot of stuff there on the field that they left, that they that they took last year. We were going back and forth. You said that there's stuff that that Spencer Rattler saw last year uh, that he wasn't seeing in this game. And so, I think with this podcast, what you and I want to do, we 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 really wanted to dig, uh, to dig into this, to dig into the Spencer Rattler debate because I'm not going to come on here and say that Spencer Rattler is fine and everything is all hunky dory. No way. He's struggling. He has absolutely regressed from where he was at the end of last season. And so I, I kind of want to know what's going on. I don't I like I think it's correctable because there's a lot of stuff that is just plain clear as day right there for him that he's not taking. And so I think that's pretty you can fix that. I'm much more interested in what on earth is going on? How has he regressed this much? And he has. He has not been good this year whatsoever. So let's let's table the Spencer Rattler thing real quick. I, I, I do want to go back to what you were saying a moment ago about them improving. And, and you're right. It's a good thing in football. You're allowed to improve throughout the season. That is a good thing. I get it. I suppose where my frustration comes from and probably a lot in the fan base is, yes, of course, we know that they can improve. And sure, there might be a trend that Lincoln Riley teams do get better. But going into this season, knowing all of the stuff that they knew and the way they prepared or they told us they prepared in the offseason to hit the ground running come week one. And what we saw week one was a really good second quarter and falling asleep for a full second half. It, it makes me question whether or not they will improve because it's been all talk. It's been all talk. Everything we heard in the offseason, I shouldn't say everything. A lot of the things we heard in the offseason about how good this team is and how much depth they have in certain spots and how much talent, I'm starting to question a lot of it because we're not seeing it necessarily on the field. And I don't know how much we, we can get, maybe get more details later on. But for example, 
the cornerback depth. We were pretty excited about depth at corner. I'm not so sure they have a whole lot of depth at corner. Uh, I don't know when Woody Washington's going to come back. Uh, hopefully he's going to be back, but I, I'll be honest with you, Grant. I'm not too, I'm not too uh, optimistic about where he is based on some rumblings I've heard. So he's your best cover corner, and he could be gone for a, a healthy amount of time. So after that, you got DJ Graham, who's still learning how to play the position. You got Jaden Davis, who's a veteran, but maybe his talent's kind of kind of capped out. And then you got some freshmen. You got McCutcheon, and you got Eaton, because Justin Harrington is not playing a whole lot. He's not getting any sort of meaningful snaps. We heard some positive things about him, so I'm not sure about the depth there. The The talent at linebacker seems questionable, uh, and we knew the safety depth was kind of like, I don't know, but it, it's definitely not nearly as good. I mean, it's been a little bit better because Key Lawrence is playing snaps, but he doesn't seem to be much of a difference maker right now, and it's been a whole lot of Pat Fields and a whole lot of Delarian Turner Yell. So I know that's not really what you were talking about a moment ago, but I'm just saying it's just everything we've heard, everything that's leading up to it, Yes, they can get better, but man, I I don't know if they will. <laughs> That's the thing, because they were supposed to get better from week one to week two. Sure, they did. They were Jeremiah Hall told us that they were gonna get better from week two to week three against Nebraska. I'm not so sure they did. I, I'm just hey, I, I'm telling you, man, that game the, what happened on offense in this game was mostly on Spencer Rattler. That's why the offense slowed down in this game. Uh defensively, I thought they played well. I thought they played well defensively, other than linebackers and coverage, which I'm sure is going to be a problem that is going to creep up a lot this season. I don't think the the corners played particularly poorly, really, at all. DJ Graham got burned on one play, and you know, that's going to happen sometimes. Um, in those instances, you just hope that the quarterback doesn't make a perfect throw, in which Adrian Martinez did in that situation. Um Safety depth, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, 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 don't, you know, I don't think anybody is super comfortable with Justin Broyles playing the high leverage minutes that he did in this game. Uh, he, he played nickel in this game, and he, he didn't come off the field that much either. Um, I, I, you know, I think you can definitely be, be worried about that, and you definitely need, just, you need, you need more dynamism at that position. We, can't, we definitely hope that Billy Bowman's going to come back. But, hey, I... One thing that has been completely as advertised is the is the defensive front. They are utterly dominant. Uh, I, I, Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, Jalen Redmond are by far the three best players on this defense, and they're they're all extremely good. Yeah, I know you're exactly right. The defensive line is good. They're very good, and that's the and you're exactly right. That's the one thing like Alex Grinch saying we got eight guys inside that can play. I'm seeing that. He said we got six guys on the edge that can play. I'm, I'm mostly seeing that. Not seeing a lot of Marcus Stripling. Uh, seen a little bit of Ethan Downs mixed in there, but mostly there. Uh, but remember all the talk about you know, in the spring and you know, Jeremiah Cradell. Where is he? I, I don't, he didn't start. Justin Burrell started. I don't, I don't remember seeing Cradell play. He's in the game participation, but he didn't get a tackle. So if Billy Bowman, uh, hopefully he's good to go. I, I, don't, I don't know much about what Billy Bowman is. I think there's some hope that he's going to play. We'll learn more from Lincoln Riley, hopefully, on Tuesday. Uh, that's such an important spot, because you're right. I mean, Justin Broyles starting at nickel and playing, for the most part, from what I saw, the entire game, that didn't see that coming. Uh, and we were told all offseason about Cradell and how he's making this lip, and we're just we're not seeing it. So it makes me wonder, what else are they telling us that really isn't what it is? I mean, look at the other safety. I mean, Jordan Mukes hasn't played any meaningful snaps. Uh, Washington, Bryson Washington only played really against Western Carolina, had that nice interception, but they're not putting him out there in high leverage spots. So, uh, yeah, that's and, and 
but we can we can talk more about the defense later. I don't know, but and you you want to talk Rattler and and I don't know if I would say I, I just I, 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 I don't I I really just I'm let, let let's touch on the defense first. Just let, let me give my my final thoughts there. What okay. you bring up, I think, is valid. I mean, your your concerns are valid. Right now, the defensive line is masking virtually all of that. Now, that's not going to fly the entire season, but the defense is going to get better. I, I hope so. I hope so. I just like. It, I mean, if I, I if, think, I think really good offensive minds, good offensive coaches, will be able to scheme up and find ways to to beat Oklahoma's defense. I mean, Scott Frost did it a lot on Saturday. I mean, Nebraska really, really not as much as you think. Really, not as much as you think. They Nebraska Nebraska was did, not did Nebraska particularly successful in, the in that penalties. game consistently at all. They were not consistently successful in that game whatsoever. I thought Nebraska's offense. I mean, they they kicked a field goal on their opening drive. That's because they had four offensive linemen penalties. If it wasn't for that, they'd probably go in and score a touchdown. They they were moving the ball pretty easily and. I mean, Adrian Martinez. I, I just, I really was, disagree. Was fine. They were not moving it easily. Adrian Martinez played maybe the best game of his career. Okay, well, yes, easily is not necessarily true, but I mean, I think Nebraska averaged more yards per play than Oklahoma did in that game. Nebraska also <laughs> had a thirty-eight percent success rate. That's not good. Okay, this is your analytics stuff. Like, I, I'm not a big analytics guy. I, that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, I, I saw with my own eyes. I mean, there was plays where Oklahoma. Uh, motion was giving them problems. I mean, Scott Frost saw that motioning guys was giving them issues, and he was he saw that he adjusted and he so it dialed up some you're telling me, explosive plays. You're telling me it doesn't matter to you at all that Nebraska was unsuccessful on two out of every three plays. I I just I don't put as much weight into that as you do apparently because what I saw with my own eyes is that the defense was don't get me wrong the defense was was good, but it's. It should be a lot better considering how good the defensive line is. I mean, sure. that's like, but that it's not. Such it's, an imp- it's not yet. It's not yet. Accept it. Move on. Accept that they can get better and they might. I just, if you can't play better coverage against Tulane and against Nebraska in the secondary, I, I, I don't know what to tell you whenever you get into big 12 play and you have offensive coordinators that are used to seeing your defense and know what you do more than Tulane and Nebraska, especially your year three of Alex Grinch. They're going to be able to scheme stuff up. They're going to see stuff and you, you better hope that these guys get better in the secondary and at linebacker. Cause I just, I don't know if they will. I mean, sure. They're going to get slightly better. Cause that's just, you get better as you play more and more, but to the point where Oklahoma needs to be, I, I don't know, man, it, it's, I'm, I'm seeing too many annoying things, too many annoying busts on that side of the ball. And then you mix it with the offense, can't find an explosive play to save their lives against FBS competition. And it just it makes me just shrug my shoulders and just say, all right, I guess we'll see what happens. So, yeah, that's the uh, yeah, I, I guess. Do you have anything else on the defense? No, I mean, I just I think you're being dramatic, like it, it, very dramatic. Well, here's for example, I mean, I, I got some just just bust where like this is. This style of play is why I think high-level, smart offensive coaches will be able to exploit Oklahoma. Like, when Nebraska was moving the ball down the field in the second half, and it was 14-3, to and things were going well for Oklahoma. They had just scored. They had the throwback to your favorite play, play action to the fullback. They got Jeremiah Hall for the touchdown. Nebraska gets the ball, and first and 10, and 
they bust and they allow that tight end to pick up 38 yards down the far sideline down to the six-yard line. That was on Key Lawrence. And he busted. Well, here's the thing. But here's the thing, though. I feel like I'm doing this all of the time because I'm, I'm watching a play over and over and over again, going back and trying to figure out what the heck Oklahoma's defense is doing. And in this situation, they're showing two deep safeties against a two-by-two two set, and then there's motion. It's introduced to the play, and that seems to totally throw Oklahoma for a loop. The far receiver to the boundary goes across, and that alerts Pat Fields to come up towards the line of scrimmage into the alley to the boundary. And that leaves Oklahoma with Key Lawrence as the one deep safety. It's at this time when I think Oklahoma is playing some sort of cover one because you see Jaden Davis, the corner, he's manned up on the lone wide receiver to the boundary. You see Pat Fields come up. He picks up the running back who flashes into his area. The motion man who went across is picked up by the opposite cornerback, DJ Graham. So now you've got three Oklahoma defensive backs seemingly playing man concepts, Davis, Fields, and Graham. And then you've got Justin Broyles, who was there at nickel, as we talked about. He's not playing man. Looks like he's playing some sort of zone to the field side, just kind of hanging out there. David Ogwebu, he's not playing man either. And I mentioned both of those guys because based on the formation Nebraska had, they look like those two players should have been responsible for both of the tight ends to the field side. So what happens is you've clearly got players on this defense who missed the check when the Nebraska guy went in motion. And then that allows the Huskers to have a super, super easy explosive play because Jaden Davis's man runs a deep over. It crosses the face of Key Lawrence, who's the only safety back there responsible for the entire field. And one of those big Nebraska tight ends just leaks across the field, up the sidelines, up the boundary, and is wide open because there's only one guy back there, and that's Key Lawrence. And, I, and this is kind of a good example why I always say I think playing safety is way more difficult than playing corner because Key Lawrence is on an island all by himself out there, responsible for the entire deep half of the field. He's got to be able to scan the entire formation, be aware of everybody on that field for players streaking deep behind him. And he didn't see this guy. He should have seen the guy. Don't get me wrong. Let me still, don't, I'm not making excuses for him, but he didn't. And fortunately for him, it was a tight end, so he was able to catch up and make the tackle before a touchdown happened. But the scary thing is that opposing teams, I think, will see stuff like this. And if simple motion can screw up Oklahoma so much to where it increases the likelihood of a, a busted coverage and an easy wide receiver or tight end being open in year three of Alex Grinch. I, I'm seeing stuff like that, and it makes me just kind of shrug my shoulders and like, why is that happening? And at, at this point, I think this is kind of just a feature of Oklahoma's defense. It just is. And, and it bothers me because high-level offensive teams, high-level offensive coordinators will exploit the heck out of it. And Oklahoma should have a lot more talent and great you know talent up front and they do but it doesn't matter in these situations They're i guess i just dial I, up i would ask theaters. you if i mean if, if they were dialing this stuff up and scott frost was just throwing haymakers the entire time why were they unsuccessful on two out of every three plays if it was that easy for them i yeah i, I guess I, I don't have okay it's just like I, I they couldn't run the ball they could not hand the ball off to the running backs and run the ball outside of like three or four plays all well, the yeah, rushing yards they got there. were on were on adrian martinez ab-libbing after the play had had broken down I said before if Isaiah Thomas would have finished in this game he would have had the best stats in a single game for a defensive lineman in OU history I mean it was he that stuff can change I I just I'm not you bring up all this stuff so bad at running the football then why can't they play better in coverage then I I, I, you're, I totally agree. They they need to get they need to get better in coverage. They need to get a lot better in coverage. It's a good thing that they're about to have a Big Twelve schedule where nobody is going to be able to block them. 
at all. They're going to have plenty of time to figure it out. Yeah, I I think you you overemphasize that so much, man, because they're they're going to these teams are going to be able to get the ball out. Really? I mean, that's what really the most important yeah. thing in college football over the last 20 years. I'm overemphasizing having well, having a dominant a problem, defensive whatever. line. All right, so all these other dominant defensive lines that we've seen in the past, whether it's Clemson or Alabama, Ohio State, those teams' defenses have been pretty darn good, right? I mean, like elite, pretty awesome. Uh, and it's probably very helpful for the secondary players that these guys are so good. I, I don't understand why it, it doesn't seem like it's helping out Oklahoma secondary players. Is it the scheme? Is it the coverages they're running? Is it the times they decide to play man and not play man? I mean, DJ Graham got beat on that long play and he was put on an island by himself, and that was like one of the times where, you know how after the two-lane game we were like, why doesn't Oklahoma play more aggressively with their corners? Their defensive line is getting there, but if the, there's so much, you know, at least there's one guy, you know, getting cushion, and it gives Michael Pratt, you know, that guy to throw it to. Well, in that particular play, they play super, super press coverage, but they don't put anybody behind DJ Graham. They essentially put him on an island by himself, and sure, Martinez made a great throw, and it was a 55-yard gain, so he's got to make that throw. But that was something where before the play, Martinez saw it and was like, all right, like Delarian Turner Yell is the only by the way, motion happened on that play too. They motioned in to where Delarian Turner Yell was the only safety in the middle part of the field. And Delarian Turner Yell was eight yards off the line of scrimmage. Ain't nobody gonna be able to get deep enough to try to help out over the top if you're only eight yards off the line of scrimmage when the guy's running a go route. And they hit it. The guy threw it perfectly. He was so he was on like, an island there. That was the design of their defensive call. Well, it wasn't pre snap though. Motion turned it into that they motioned a guy over and yeah they moved up broils into the slot and it, and and that it became was a, a single high that coverage was a predetermined read by martinez and he made maybe the best throw of his career from the opposite hash dropped it right in the bucket hats yeah, off he did. it's hats a great off. play hats but... off to nebraska on that play yeah but why does that happen though that can't happen when you get a great special teams play you you put pin them inside the 15 and then at that point that's when you tried to get super aggressive and I, it's, it, it was the motion. The, the, they weren't. He was not in a spot where he was supposed to be on an island. But the motion guy made it to where that was the case. Nebraska, I'm sure, had seen that. Scott Frost had seen it all game, and and he you know an advantageous spot. That that's a pass that's completed probably what 25 percent of the time. I, I think I don't know. You're the analytics guy. You tell me. I'm just saying. I think Oklahoma. I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with DJ Graham on an island against a receiver, where Adrian Martinez has to make a perfect throw against that defensive line. I think OU is going to take that setup a hundred percent of the time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about how Adrian Martinez is an inconsistent passer. And I mean, there was there wasn't really many throws in that game where he just looked like he just missed the and touchdown pass like, to Manning. So you, yeah, the touchdown pass to Manning was a strike. Um, he he played really well. He played very very. It's a well. great throw. But I mean, but but it wasn't a hard play to to diagnose though. I mean, Oklahoma was like in zero coverage on that play, and they just ran a double a double post, and the backside post opened up, and that's the tough position to be in as a corner. You got the guy's got the inside leverage on you, and he put it in, you know, high and away, and there was no chance for. I think it was Jaden Davis on the coverage there, no chance to make that play. Uh, but it, my thing is like, I guess going in Oklahoma. I mean, Nebraska they they scouted Oklahoma's defense, and they made some plays on him. Sure, Oklahoma outtowing them up front most of the time, and, and Oklahoma just is better than Nebraska. But man, it just 
we said that they'd be able to move the ball against Oklahoma, and so yeah, they did. It's just man, the way they did it a lot of the time was was annoying to me. I I didn't. I thought Martinez would be able to run a little bit more, so him getting a lot of it through the air just bothers me. I guess is, is why. And and they made a point to try to to limit his running. I mean, Grinch said that after the game. Riley said that after the game. I talked to Dusty after the game, and he because he he knows the assistants. I mean, he said yeah, their their biggest thing was like they didn't want Martinez to run all over him, and I appreciate that because you don't want that either. You ask him to beat him with your, you know, you ask that guy to beat you with his arm, and he, I don't want to say he almost did because it wasn't an almost win for Nebraska, but he he played pretty darn well, and uh, he, I don't know, he, he did not look as athletic to me as he did in the first few games, so maybe I was it's a competition. I thought Oklahoma made him look not as athletic and not as explosive, and so I think I was taking a lot of my thoughts on him based on the first couple of games of this season. Against Oklahoma, he didn't look as explosive as he did against Illinois, as he did against uh, yeah, Fordham and whoever else they played. Uh, Buffalo was it? He looked Buffalo just. Or? He looked yeah. very. He he was mostly just slippery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his, yeah, his, his straight line speed was not overwhelming at all, and I that's what I saw against Buffalo when I was watching. Right. I you know, but but he was great. He, he was great. Like I'm, I don't want to take anything away from Adrian Martinez. Um, I think I, you know, I think one of the reasons why everybody is, a lot of people in the fan base are upset about this game, and maybe I don't. Everyone just assumes that Nebraska is terrible, and that's just not a that's just not the right take. That's not a terrible football team. I mean, they're they're an average football team, and Tulane is an average to maybe below average like FBS to, or not FBS, but like if they're a Power Five team. I mean, Nebraska, uh, outside of one quarter against Illinois, Nebraska's defense has been salty this year. I guess we'll see. We'll see when they start playing more games. I mean, they're at, they're at yeah, Michigan sure, State right. on Saturday. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Nebraska's going to win nine games. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that's a, te- that's a team that was okay last season, and they brought back a lot of veterans, a lot of three- and four-year players on that defense. Um, still a lot of stuff that Spencer Rattler missed. See, I don't think there's a lot of stuff that he missed. Uh, I, I just, it's he has this like conservative type of play right now, and it's al- it's almost like I, I don't know. I mean, Lincoln Riley after the game was kind of talking about that. He he was hinting at how you know the the way you play quarterback a lot of the times is based off of the you know the feel of the game because you have so much control with your decision making in the game, and just I don't know. Like he said without watching the tape that everyone on offense was just kind of okay in that game. And like you said, like they're just a tick away and that he kept saying that. And so my, my thing is that either, either Lincoln Riley knows something that we don't know, or he is just, I mean, saying the stuff that he's always said about how uh, they're, they're just, they're, they're almost there. And he did after the game said that we're going to get there. I promise. Uh, When is he, you know, when is that going to be? I don't know. Like is, now I got like, the conspiracy theorists inside me and the lack of like really going back and, and digging deep into every single Oklahoma offensive snap is like, are they, are they holding stuff back for like later in the year? But it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, that happens every once in a while, That's but like, not to kind the extent of a, to which it's always kind of a message board tradition talking about that. And I've kind of gone back and forth on that. I'm sure it happens to some extent. Like there's some stuff that they know that they want to kind of save for big games. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that does happen, but I, you know, like is OU going into this game knowing oh we're just we're totally not going to show a lot and we're going to risk losing because of, I I don't think that's the case. But also I mean I yeah, no, I don't when either. when I watched them when I watched the game back I mean 
they did run a lot of just their base stuff with not a lot of anything attached to it or anything confusing. So, I mean, maybe there is some something to that. And hey, I mean, if you want to take a positive away from the game, they ran the GT counter really well today. They ran the ball well today. And I, I that's great. Did I say today? Sorry, Saturday. I was just, just watching. Feel I was like just, just watching the game. You're watching on Saturday. I relived it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know about that. that. Were you were you making notes of every time they ran? Because I don't recall them really running it a whole lot. I mean, when they ran the ball, it like it was hat on, on a hat. runs. They, they, they there were thirty. No, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the GT. I'm, I'm talking about the GT counter specifically because I don't recall watching a whole lot of GT counter when and, and uh, maybe they they pull one guy, but I don't recall. Yeah, maybe the GT maybe I'm thinking that a whole they, lot. Yeah, yeah, they were pulling a lot of guys. I saw it on the, uh, they ran it on the first drive. Um, nah, I, I need to go back. But they ran the ball well today. They were, uh, the offensive line in the run game <laughs> today was absolutely. I love that. God, I did. Jeez. The offensive line <laughs> on Saturday was having their way with Nebraska's defensive line for the most part. The one thing, the, the one thing that I keep coming back to is Spencer Rattler just being a complete non-threat with the ball in his hands, really, really kneecaps the offense. And I, this, is, this is the first time we've seen Lincoln Riley with a quarterback who is not a threat to run at all, outside of you know stepping up in the pocket and being slippery and running north and south upfield. Yeah, they averaged five and a half yards per carry. I agree. Yeah, they ran the football well. And that's why it's a little more frustrating why it didn't translate into more of a downfield explosive type passing attack. Uh, I mean, I guess it... it the the last thing you said there about Rattler's inability to run with the football helped late in that game when he pulled that and picked up nine yards and a first down when they were trying to kill the clock. Uh, and I mean that was a great read. I don't know if that was. I, I kind of think that might have been design play to be honest with you because the blocking to the top the top part of the like the the field side was was on point. Like they were they knew that Rattler would keep that. So I think that might have almost that might have been a, a designed pull by him. Uh, I'm yeah, not sure. Okay. I, they if 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 it was that was a great it was a great fake if it was designed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is interesting. I, I agree that him his lack of running ability is not great. You know, you'd like to keep people honest. I so here's something I'll throw this at you. And I heard this last night, and I I haven't just because this guy. I mean, he he's been around and he knows OU and he knows football. It, it, I think you have to consider it. And I haven't thought about this really. But you're the perfect guy to, to throw this off of. I was talking to Dusty last night, Dusty Dvorak. And he really thinks that Ramondre Stevenson not being there is a huge reason why. Like the passing game and Rattler's not as comfortable. And I mean, yeah, obviously, I think Ramondre Stevenson's a better player than Kennedy Brooks and Eric Ray. I do. I think he's a better running back than them, especially I mean, at the college level. And so I, what do you like? So I was trying to kind of think I was like ah you think so really he's like yeah I mean when he got there last year the offense just took off with him and like the idea his thing was the idea of Ramondre Stevenson for a defense and having to tackle that guy is a lot more scary than the idea of trying to tackle a Kennedy Brooks or an Eric Ray coming at you just like physicality and toughness mixed with the speed and I I, so I kind of was like I is that it because I mean Gray and Brooks are, are good. I mean, I I think the problem with before Ramondre last year is that TJ Pledger and and uh, Seth McGowan and, and Marcus Major, they just they were just kind of like there. I mean, they weren't necessarily that good. Like they weren't good, really good players. 
I think Gray and Brooks are really good college players. So I don't know. I, I'm not so sure that I'm I'm fully on board with Dusty with that. But what do you like? What is your? I know I'm just throwing this at you right now. You haven't had time to think about it. But I mean, obviously, I think Ramondre would help. But I don't know if I, I would probably lean more with you that Rattler's lack of athleticism and lack of ability to run probably affects a little more than Ramondre. But again, Dusty, uh, that, that's his thought, and I I need more time to think about it. What do you think? I think there's definitely something there, especially with the whole. I mean, Ramondre being a bowling ball and just being difficult to tackle. I'm sure psychologically that is a lot more difficult on the defense. But I don't, I don't, Ramondre Stevenson not being there doesn't force Spencer Rattler to throw off of his back foot into triple coverage while staring down the receiver. Yeah. And, and he did that. And that's, that was the most alarming thing to me about Spencer Rattler. And if you want to switch over to him, is, was it, I think in the first quarter when Oklahoma was going right to left, they, they ran their leak concept play. And he did the exact same thing he did against Tulane. He predetermined it. He threw it up. It wasn't intercepted this time. But the fact that he didn't learn from the Tulane game, and he did it again, when this time against Nebraska, the running back was open again in the flats, <laughs> just like it was against Tulane. To me, that was the most alarming and I think thing. You, and I think to, def- to defend it the way that Nebraska and Tulane did, the running back will always be open. Yeah, because they bring everybody off, and they they have like a linebacker kind of in the flats, but he has to also keep keep it honest and get deep. And so you're throwing over to a running back who's got one guy to make miss, and then they can get positive yardage. So that was the biggest the biggest red flag to me, man, because he predetermined it again. And I think that's I don't know if that's a difference between this year and last year. Because last year would have made a lot more sense for him to just kind of predetermine throws. Like he's playing Madden and he's like, all right, I'm going to, this is going to be open. I'm going to do that without like necessarily reading the defense. This is a video game. But in, in real life, you can kind of do that. And I get it. Some of the best quarterbacks, you, you look at the coverage and you think, okay, this guy's going to be open. Sure. But also, you know, when, when coverages roll and things change, you know, you have to be able to adjust on the fly. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it is. But, I mean, there's definitely one example from this game that you and I each <laughs> we each send each other this today about a situation where I feel like last year... Can we, can we go back to the leak? Can oh, we go yeah. back to the leak one more time? Can we go back to the leak? I, I think that's, this is so interesting to me, especially with, those, with, with the two examples from Tulane and now, and now from Nebraska, is that think back to the Texas game from last season when OU scored on leak twice in that game. The very first time he hit Marvin Mims, he, he wasn't looking at Mims right away. He had to climb the pocket and get out of the pocket, and then he hit him on the run. And the same thing happened with Drake Stoops in overtime. He came off of his first read, climbed up in the pocket, and then went to Drake. So what's going on? I, yeah, I, I do not know, and that's, that's what I'm trying to put my finger on. And it's a great question because something is not – it's not all there, and I don't think it's as bad as his biggest attractors are, but I, I don't think it's, it's, it's a standard thing. There's a standard with which we expect Spencer Rattler to be at going into this season, and he's definitely not living up to it, and I actually went, and I mean, you know, you're the big numbers guy, and I am to some extent. I'm not the big analytics guy, but I mean, you look at the numbers for the first three games last season and the first three games this season, and, and it's pretty comparable because you had – an FCS team last year, an FCS team this year. You had K-State and Iowa State. Uh, so I guess K-State might be more like a two-lane comp, and then Iowa State and Nebraska de- defensively. I don't know. I, but it's, it's two FBS teams, 
and won FCS team. And last year, through three games, Rattler was completing 73% of his passes. Really good. He was averaging 325 yards through the air per game. Ten touchdowns, four interceptions, and you know the interceptions came big time against K-State, and then the one really bad one against Iowa State. And his quarterback rating, Missouri State, 303. The next game against K-State, down to 170. And then against Iowa State, 152. Now, you go to this year, and his completion percentage is a tick higher at 74, which it should be considering that he's averaging about two full yards fewer yards per attempt this season compared to last season total. I didn't, I didn't check out what he was averaging the first three games. I should have done that. But the completion percentage is good so far this year. But yards per game? 250 per game 75 yards fewer per game he's averaged through the first three games and he played an fcs team both years touchdown to interception seven touchdowns two picks so three fewer touchdowns two fewer picks this is the interesting thing though his quarterback rating first game against Tulane, 140 up to 218 against fcs western carolina and then back down to 133 against nebraska so Every one of those is below, you know, what he performed at last year. I mean, against FCS Missouri State, he was at 303. He was at 218 against Western Carolina, and he played a half both those games. So for whatever reason, the way he played, it just it's not as good. And you would expect it to be better because he has a whole year under, year under his belt. Uh, and I know I've been defending him a lot more than you, but I can't put my my finger on really what's going on aside from I don't think he's seeing it. I don't think I think he's in his own head. I don't. That's got to be it. I, that has and, to be and I it. don't know if he's if he's not confident in his ability to read defenses. Has he ever been able to read defenses? Can he? I don't know. Uh, it, and that's that's Lincoln Riley. He's got to figure it out, and that's what he's paid to do. Yeah, you know I'm. It's inexplicable to me. I honestly can't explain it. There's there's a lot of things I can't explain. Uh, it's it's all with the passing game. I mean, it's it's the passing game, and so you know I I was driving back to Minnesota yesterday from Colorado. So I, I had a lot of time to listen to stuff, you know, form my own thoughts, think. And this was all before you know I was able to sit down and watch the full game. But I was you know I, I was sending you some voice messages while I was driving, and I was I said. You know, it sounds like, I mean, what is this? Is It's it's either, it's got to be one of two things, right? It's either a Spencer Rattler problem or it's a Lincoln Riley problem. And re-watching the game, I am firmly in the it's a Spencer Rattler problem camp. Very much so. He's just, it, it's and you're exactly right. He's just not seeing it. And so that's why I think it's, it's extremely interesting. You go back to last season when there are, just the season is littered with examples where he was seeing it and he was going through his reads and he was dropping dimes. I don't know what's happening right now. It's, I mean, he is, he is clearly regressed. He's just not taking, well, here's the thing. I was gonna say he's not taking any chances. He has taken some chances like stupidly, like last season he would be aggressive. He'd push the ball down the field, but yeah, there'd be some bad throws here and there and he should have been picked off a couple more times than he was last season. But he just—he was more confident. He was seeing it better. He was taking shots. I mean, in the entire second half of the game, he took one shot, and that was deep to Mario Williams that the DB went up over Mario Williams and broke it up. Uh, Williams couldn't get enough separation, and that would have been a tough pick, but it, it could have been picked off. But he didn't, he didn't take a shot. And there was one 
time later in that game where he could have taken a shot and it was ripe for the picking based on the defense that Nebraska was showing us, uh, showing him. And this is what I was talking about a moment ago when you wanted to go back and talk about the league concept. And it was third down and seven. And it was only a one possession game. And you saw this. I saw this. And this is a situation perfect where it separates like the high level quarterbacks that are kind of just seeing it and understand the game and are confident in what they're, you know, again, what they're seeing. And a guy who is programmed, uh, I got to get the first down here. I'm, I'm going to make my decision before the snap because I, I, I think I have a pretty good read here and I'm going to make it as opposed to you know, getting a first down and going for a kill shot, easy touchdown. And there was a play on third down and seven where Nebraska was kind of trying to figure out their alignment. They brought everybody up to the line of scrimmage, everybody up for the most part. There was nobody in deep. And Rattler had, I think you pointed out, he had four receivers to the boundary split out. And he knows that Jaden Hazelwood, who's split out there, is going to run an eight-yard comeback. And he knows that Mike Woods is going to run a go against one corner who was out there by himself with no safety help. And that's something that Rattler should have seen before the snap. He knows the routes of his receivers. Nebraska doesn't. And if you go back and watch that play on third down and seven, Rattler is going to go to Hazelwood the entire time. And it's a great anticipatory throw. He's into his throw before Hazelwood's even out of his break. And he hits him, and it's a first down, and it moves the chains, and, and you clap. But there was a touchdown there on the field to Mike Woods because the corner was responsible for two guys and fortunately for the corner Rattler threw it to the guy that ran the curl as opposed to Mike Woods who you know they always say if you're even you're leaving Mike Woods was even with that corner running at a full sprint he was wide open all Rattler has to do is is come like come off of Hazelwood and it's the easiest touchdown of his life and that's something that I think he saw last year he saw he saw the single coverage. I, I texted this before the show. He saw the single coverage with no safety help against Oklahoma State and Bedlam to Theo Weiss in that touchdown. That was easy pitch and catch. But also, there wasn't a whole lot of pressure in that game. They were up by like 30 points when that happened. In this situation, it was a touchdown game. So get the first down, get the first down. And they did, and they ended up scoring on that drive. But that's an example of him just kind of not seeing it and not trusting it and not going for the big play when he, he had it. If he, w- if he was seeing things pre-snap, he had that play. There was another play. I think it was in the first half. I, I think it may have been OU's second possession where they had to- they stalled out and they had to punt. There was just a play. It, it-, it was another Mike Woods uh, opportunity where it was actually Rattler did a good job of stepping up and he had to bail from the pocket. This was on third down. And he he ended up trying to run for the first down. He got tackled for you know gain of two and they had to punt. But there's no one around him. And I, I, I kept looking at the play. Mike Woods uh, cut off of his route and, and ran a go, and he was wide open, had about three or four steps on the guy who was covering him. And the entire time while I was watching that, I was thinking to myself, man, 2020 Spencer Rattler sees that, and that's a touchdown. Hmm. And it's 14-3 to now. Yeah. I, and so, like, I, I don't... So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's... There's, there's something going on. There's, it's, it's mental. There's something going on. There's something that has gone on in his head that is making him not see it. And we're obviously going to focus on these plays and kind of the negatives, but he, he did make some throws. He did make some plays. I, I, you know, there was another third down later, you know, early or later in the game where he converted to Drake. To, or yeah, that, that was kind of, that was in the first to, half, think, right? Uh, yeah. I think that may have been in the, I think that was the next. Yeah. In oh, the yeah, second I, I quarter, when, when he's play. able to roll out, get away from the pressure and throw back to Stoops for the first down, that was a great play. 
That was a nice job. That was a really, really good play. Uh, fourth quarter, I want to say, whenever Oklahoma was kind of backed up, they had a third down and like uh, third and ten, maybe. And I think they, he, I think he, he anticipated a curl and hit hit a guy for a first down. So uh, I really thought he did great. Yeah, Cody Jackson. Yeah, Cody. Yeah. So I mean, stuff like that. He's very good at that, and he's getting a lot better anticipating these curl routes and these comeback routes, which is great. You got to you got to throw it into the window, and that's fine. Uh, but if that if he's being like programmed to. I'm going to hit that no matter what. That could be a problem whenever there's a bigger play there if he just saw the defense a different way or a certain way. And, and again, I, 2020 Spencer Rattlers, that, was, that happened, it seemed like. And, and you, again, look at the yards per attempt. He, he was at like 9.6 last season. Right now, it's something like 7.5. I mean, that's, that's a huge difference. And that's the difference between a guy that's dinking and dunking and a guy that's taking shots. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, later in the game as well, I, I think on the same exact drive where I think he missed Wood, he could have hit Woods, was the play where he stepped up in the pocket, scrambled, picked up the first down inside the five-yard line. So I think that led to, uh, was it Kennedy Brooks, I think, scored? Did he score the touchdown to make it 23-9? to, to nine? Yeah. So, I mean, that was th- yeah, that was, was a nice a, job. like an eye formation. Yeah, I mean, that was a nice job by Rattler stepping up. And that's where he's at his best running, like you said, is north and south whenever he breaks the pocket. But if he's going east and west – he ain't outrunning anybody. He, he ain't outrunning anybody. Uh, so it's, it's not like everything was bad. It's just, and, and I don't think it was mostly on him. I think early in the first half, there were some really poor blitz pickups by the running backs. I saw one by Gray, one by Brooks. Yeah. Did you see those? Yeah. And Yeah, yeah, that was bad. That totally blew yeah, up the totally play. Yeah, totally blew up the play. And it's just like. He it didn't allow him to step up, so he had to drift out of the pocket. And the defensive end did a good job of keeping contained for the most part. He had to throw it away. It's just the, that that simple pass pro stuff where it's not like it's I mean it's not like uh, it was a, a blitzer from the back like the the left side and like the running back was like oh no I didn't see him coming legitimately both times a gap blitzing by the linebacker it's right in front of your face just get a hit on him and I mean you're an athlete I mean this is a this is a I mean this is a good player I think I can't remember the guy's name but I mean he's a good player they got some good linebackers but come on I mean get in front of him at least prevent him from getting there for a second or two but both of them were just whiffs. And then that brings me to another point. I tweeted this out earlier today. Blocking on the perimeter. Start of the fourth quarter. Very first play of the fourth quarter. It's second and ten. And Braden Willis whiffs on a block. And Marvin Mims gets thrown around on a block. And Kennedy Brooks gets stopped for no gain. Sets up a third down and ten. Oklahoma's got to end up punting. Later in the game, Oklahoma, after Marvin Mims recovered the ball and went out of bounds, which is a whole other thing. I don't know if we have time to talk about. That was kind of a weird thing. Oklahoma's backed up down or up up by a touchdown. A penalty makes it first and fourteen. Eric Gray gets four yards. It's second down and ten. The very same play, same formation, same defense as that previous play that happened in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Except this time, Eric Gray is the running back, but Austin Stogner's in, and Drake Stoops is in instead of Willis and instead of Mims. Both of those guys do their job. They get a hat. They block. Eric Gray picks up 16 yards first down. That's the difference and no gain in 16 yards. And if the same thing happened on that second play that happened on the first play, they whiff, they miss blocks, don't do their job. Oklahoma's at third down and 10 from their own six, seven yard. How confident do you feel at that point if you're Oklahoma? I mean, Rattler's got a throw. Sure, he's, he's converted some third downs, but it could have been really bad for Oklahoma. And so just maybe that's what Riley means by we're just a tick away, doing more doing that more consistently <laughs> blocking on the edge where Oklahoma has been pretty good at in the past, but maybe not right now. 
it's good stuff. If if everyone recalls, C.D. Lamb was a was a weapon on the outside blocking. That guy was such an excellent blocker in college. I miss that. He was. He was. And let's see. I'm going through the rundown now, and a lot of this has been just stream of consciousness today. With this, this is about as close as you're going to get to a uh, the, the game. You're, just ended. you're way more fired up. You're way more fired up than I anticipated or expected. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm okay with waiting and seeing. Um, hey, I'm, I'm disappointed too. The two lane game kind of freaked me out. I didn't like it at all. But you know what? I'm he, he, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to take every single game as it comes. And you know what? If they lose a game, then I'll freak out with everyone else. But that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> That's fine. It's it's, it's going to be whatever for me either way. I, I I'm just it's it's I had an expectation. You know, maybe they just got. Maybe they just got 2002 Ohio State in a man, and they're just gonna just gonna be butt clinchers all all up and down the schedule. <laughs> uh, and we haven't mentioned this yet. Just to drive home, the offense has definitely have some issues against Western Carolina. That one game, OU averaged 8.2 yards per play, which that's good. Uh, it, it wouldn't be number one in the nation, so I wish they would have averaged more yards per play. But in the other two games, Oklahoma is averaging 5.8 yards per play. And a Lincoln Riley offense averaging fewer than six yards per play. I mean, you get up, you get below seven, and we're like, ah, what's going on here? And last year, Oklahoma was like right around seven. They're, I mean, they're under in F, against FBS teams. They're under six yards per play right now. That is, that's that's some bizarro world stuff. As I tweeted out earlier today, I it's 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 crazy. Man. Well, one, yeah, it, it is crazy. Um. One thing I'll say, and you know, you weren't you weren't on the beat yet, but this is actually pretty similar. You know, I, I think this is worse than than 2016, the year I'm about to bring up. But they, you know, that was a season where they were just kind of off too in the first quarter of the season, um, where it, and that was with Baker Mayfield, and it just was it wasn't until D.D. Westbrook got there till they just exploded. It was D.D. Westbrook, and then it was Ben Powers, and then they exploded. So, um. And I'm not saying that there's just gonna there's gonna be some guy who's hurt and is gonna come back and is gonna tear it up like Dee Dee, be a Heisman finalist like Dee Dee Westbrook. Um, it's just it's you know it's it's just to throw out there that they have started slowly before even under Lincoln Riley even with a ton of ton of talent on offense and just didn't click right away for whatever reason. And you know what? La- you know that was last year. They started one and two. In 2016, they started one and two. That is the case now in 2021, and they're three and zero. I do think that's significant. If you do want to be a glass half full guy, they definitely lose that game. They lose both of those games last year. Yeah, that's a good point. And they're not now. That's a good point. And and I also understand that's not. I understand that's not good enough for a lot of people. And I, you know, I think that's valid, completely. Um, I really hope they play better on Saturday. Yeah, that's a really good point, and that's probably why Lincoln Riley is maintaining his confidence and saying hey yeah we're we're, we're getting there and you know because in his in his mind we, he's seen and, this before and he's happy they're three and oh and maybe yeah maybe he sees the same stuff maybe he sees the other guys flashing open and knows that it's there it's just not just not quite there yet and it's it's okay to still be optimistic about it it doesn't it the world does not need to be ending <laughs> and you know i'm 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 mostly talking to myself there. <laughs> <laughs> the world doesn't have to end. It doesn't have to end. Nope, nope. Uh, all right, we got a little bit more time left. Let's go to three-word reviews. I'll start on Facebook. 
And I'll go with Hunter first because you're the first one on my list. And also, you have more than a three-word review. You have a take as well. Hunter, you say a healthy struggle is your three-word review. And your thought is that you think that we're going to look back at Oklahoma's games against Tulane and Nebraska a little differently by the end of the season. uh, This is Hunter from the West of Evers Facebook page. OU clearly has things to work on still, but those two teams are better than many are giving them credit for. OU showed toughness against a team with plenty of talent. They seem more like a team still out of sync on Saturday than a team that was lacking toughness or focus, and that's a good thing because that's easier to correct. I hope you are correct about that, Hunter. I hope that we look back at the at Tulane and we look back at Nebraska two and a half months from now and think, all right, you know what? Those teams are a little bit better than we thought. And, uh, you know, they got better as the season went on and whatever. Uh, the the, two, the most recent Tulane game makes me pause. But also that could be a situation where maybe Ole Miss is a lot better than people thought going into the season. And, man, I don't know much of that game. You, saw, you probably didn't see any of it because I know you were busy. But, man, Matt Corral looks like easily the best quarterback in college football right now. That guy is just yeah, pitching, pitching and catch. I watched, I, I watched the entire first half just of that Just everything game. about him, his, the ball jumps off of his hand, out of his arm, good accuracy, good mechanics. He can move. Uh, and uh, you know, it helps that he's got Lane Kiffin. He's got a really smart offensive mind as well. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss, at, at, you know, outside of, I, yeah, I guess you did watch because we were texting about it a little bit. Uh, you know, Tulane's offense had a little bit of success early on, but then none after about the, the second quarter on in that game. The most concerning thing about that game for me is that Ole Miss had literally zero problem tackling Michael Pratt. Yeah, and uh, Tulane's really good tackling defense seemed uh, to go away, seemed to be off the team or something because uh, – Ole Miss had no problem getting away from tackles against Tulane, unlike Oklahoma, who could not break through anything. So, yeah, good stuff there by Hunter. More three-word reviews from the Facebook page. Tracy, you say, less than impressive. Shane, you say, not playoff ready. That is 100% true. Justin, you go with, give me that Odell. And obviously referencing DJ Graham's one-handed interception, which we did not mention at all. Uh, Obviously a great play. And... That's I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this, to be honest with you, Grant. It's just one of those things like, hey, DJ Graham's a really talented player. He clearly must have really giant hands. And that was a great play, but it ended up really not going anywhere for Oklahoma. And so I think that kind of takes the shine off of it a little bit. That's the irony of it. It was it, it was a it very much a negative play for OU, <laughs> but obviously an incredible feat of athleticism. Um, I think that just kind of showcases what DJ Graham can be. Um, hopefully he realizes potential. Who knows? All right, Brady, friend of the show, Brady Trantham, says better than most. Brady's always kind of coy with with things. I'm not really sure what he's referencing there, but it, it, it might just be as simple as... It's a... Uh, what? It's a, it, it's a meme. It's a fan-based meme. Mm. You're not... You're in the media, so you wouldn't know. No, I'm not plugged in on that, no. Let's see... Nathan says, rivalry game win. Jesse, Stoops murdered someone. I think he's referring to Jake Stoops' nice block in the first quarter on the opening drive that helped Mario Williams get Ooh, on, away. The drag, on the drag. The drag play. Yeah. Which, remember, remember, they could not run that play for the life of them last season. Oh, really? I don't remember that. Yeah, remember? You, you don't remember that being a thing? They just couldn't block that play up? <laughs> No, I don't. Like when 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 Theo we scored on it. When Theo we scored on it in the Cotton Bowl, that was like the first time it had worked all season. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't remember as much as yeah, 
And that's because Florida clearly didn't care. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Ned, you say work in progress. Michael says average at best. Uh, Michael, he's selling his Spencer Rattler stock. He says Rattler ain't it. Uh, Michael, another one from you. Where's Marvin Mims? It's a good question, man. I, I, you know. Honestly, I think it's because of his blocking is why he's not on the field more. Now that you bring that I mean, up. It, may, it could be. Um, I don't know if Mario Williams To be totally honest with you, I don't, I, I don't think that's a very good reason to keep him off the field personally. But but maybe he's on the field yeah, I don't, he's just they, not being um, targeted. I, I don't know, man. I, yeah. You know, hey, like... Hat tip to the uh, to the Sooner Scoop guys on their post game podcast. They were talking about how it's just it's unacceptable that Marvin Mims only had two targets in the game, and they are absolutely right. Wow, they only had two targets. See, how about this? Like, maybe they're doing this all the time. I don't have the all twenty two, and you know, maybe this is like a, a an emotional fan thought. But just going back to that play I broke down from Nebraska, where they got the tight end wide open against what ended up being single coverage. That's a that that's a basically a a split like post or like a, a split over route concept where you have one guy running over route and you bring somebody else back the other way and you make the safety commit to one or the other and you hope that the other one guy's open is Oklahoma running a bunch of those routes how, how about we run Mario Williams from one side of the field on an over route and Marvin Mims on another over route from the other side of the field and make safeties pick <laughs> pick one and have Spencer Rattler make a play I, I mean a lot of safeties are playing uh, two deep coverage against OU, so it's very rarely ever single coverage or single high safety. But uh, if Oklahoma's not running those a whole lot, start running them. C- try to create some explosive plays. <laughs> I- I'm sure they-, they are, but, I mean, it's a simple concept, and Nebraska seemed to get a couple of them. Like, yeah, I mean, we – yeah, it's – if I had to point to one, what is the one fatal flaw of this team right now, it's the lack of explosive plays. That's kind of what feeds OU. That's the type of offense that you're supposed to pair with OU's defense. Yeah. You know, OU's defense really isn't made to play in that game on Saturday. That was a Big Ten game. All right, so I actually did some some research on explosive plays, and I'm not sure if it's as... I'm not sure if it's as bad as we think it is. It just seems kind of bad, but it is kind of bad. Like, they're, they're on pace right now, I think, through three games to be slightly worse than they were last year like not even like way worse like maybe averaging like one fewer per game which i guess could be bad i suppose that's that's actually a lot less are you just doing 20 yeah, plus yard 20 plus plays? yard plays yeah yeah but i mean the the longest play on saturday was 23 yards right yeah and, and saturday was the worst game by far so listen to this so against nebraska they had 10 plays of 10 yards to 19 yards and they only had three plays of 20 yards to 30 yards. You said that the longest play was 23? Yeah, they didn't have any play. So that's yeah. that's really only three explosive plays against Nebraska, t- to your point. Tulane went much better. Against Tulane, they had four plays of 20 yards to 29. They had one play of 30 yards to 39. And then the Marvin Mims play where he almost scored, that was a 50-plus yard play. That's the only play of 50-plus yards they've had against FBS competition because obviously against Western Carolina, Caleb Williams had that long run. That was 59 yards. And then Caleb Williams' pass to Jaden Knowles went for 57. So, like, a lot of their explosive plays came against Western Carolina, as you'd expect. And against FBS competition, 
it's uh yeah not not really good but yeah i mean if they're not if, if they're not getting those big 60 yard touchdowns that's kind of, their offense is not really what it is it really isn't i mean that's that's kind of how they get in rhythm man like that's how you know they're really working is when they're just they're just breaking off chunk play after chunk play and then score it looks easy when it's happening too i mean you're seeing guys that are open and they're getting room to run and it just doesn't seem it's just not quite there right now let's go over to twitter jed castles from news nine big fan of the podcast my coworker says nebraska's d's good it's good i'm not sure how good it really is but i know that you guys are more on the same page no okay uh jacob says I was gonna say. I mean, it's it's their defense is their defense is capable. Yeah, it's it's a veteran it's a veteran defense. You know, execution and lots of talent will will shred that defense. But I mean, if you're if you're not really stretching the field like that, then yeah, I mean, they're they're gonna do well. You're not gonna confuse them. Yeah. Jacob says Rattler's not leading. Uh, interesting from Bobby here. He says OC. Tr- uh, let me start over. Bobby says OC distrusts QB. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Jason says three missed kicks. So, hey, yeah, Gabe Burkich missed a long field goal. He keeps attempting 50-yard field goals. But then Nebraska's kicker, he nails a 50-plus yarder. And this guy has been awful this year going into the game. I, I, I don't know if we talked about it much at all. I don't think we talked about it all in the podcast before the game. But Nebraska's kicking game has been terrible. And so when he hit a 51-yarder to like, you know, start the game, I was thinking, okay, is this the kind of game this is going to be? But then Nebraska's kicker, I think, ended up missing, what, two more? Like, missing, so, okay, that, it made more sense. Uh, this is uh, Dan, it's kind of what you referenced briefly with Isaiah Thomas, I think. Dan says, can't convert TFLs. They, I mean, Oklahoma was like leading everything in pressure and QB hurries and pressure. Finish more. Finish more, guys. That's, that's another thing that I, that like, it, that sort of stands out to me when I watch other teams. Other teams are way better at finishing, and I, I like I start to think to myself, "Oh my God! If oh you could just look like that when they get close to the quarterback, just ah." P two three five seven zero. Fields returned PAT. Fields returned Pat. Oh, I get it. Okay, Fields returned Pat. Uh, good stuff. We didn't talk about that at all. Great play. Great job by Isaiah Coe. Awesome push. Um, how about a guy Isaiah Coe's been been pretty good this year. He's flashed quite a lot. Yeah, no, he's he's getting a lot of snaps. He's good and uh, good on Pat Fields. That was the fastest he's ever looked to me up the sidelines there. Let's see. Brady Kendrick says we are pretenders. Dan, another one from you. No pocket presence going in on Spencer Rattler. Let's see. Michael, you say Rattler rattled again. And uh, lastly, we'll go. We'll end on a on a sour note. Travis, you say that wasn't fun. All right. Well, next up is West Virginia, who just had a nice win over Vatech. By the way, our our whole like betting principle thing of the, you got the the home home team that's favored over the ranked team that worked out. That played out the way we expected it with uh, West Virginia. I had a uh, I had an excellent weekend betting football games. I I was a Alabama cover away from having a pretty excellent weekend. I that made me so mad. That Alabama Alabama doesn't have a defense apparently, or or Florida's offense is better than we think, but they can't really throw the ball. But okay, that's not what this podcast is about. 
Let's see. Anything else that we haven't hit on? I mean, yeah, you're right, though. Like, Nick Benito played really well. We haven't talked about him. Uh, like, all these guys that played well, it just kind of goes without saying. I, I, I thought Benito was actually, I thought, you know, he, he made some big plays, obviously. But outside of the big plays, I, I didn't think he was great. Actually, huh? I mean, I um, Isaiah Thomas wrecked shop over and over and over. Well, again. I mean, Benito was spying a lot as we expected. He did a good job there. Jalen Redmond looked really good. Yeah, but yeah. Oh gosh, Redmond. Redmond looks great, man. Oof. I think he's he may be sort of rounded into form of what we were excited about with him, and uh, that's that's just a lot of fun. That's that's so cool. Trying to think of anybody um, else, any other positives we can take away. Any guys that were like, I was like, yeah, they were good. I'm sure these. I'm sure some offensive linemen had good games. I'm sure because we never, you know, we those guys don't get any love. I mean, it sounds like the offensive line played I pretty thought, well. Uh, I thought the one, the only guy that I at, at that at no point in time I looked at and I was just like, oh yeah, that wasn't great. Was Anton Harrison? I thought he played pretty well. All right. Let's see, receiver. I mean, Hazelwood had some, you know, he had some catches. He doesn't look nearly, he's, and just, he's, he's not, and just a weak sauce, weak sauce. OPA. Yeah, that was a bad call. I mean, I guess, but like, oh, you ended up, they, they scored on that drive, didn't they? So it didn't really matter. If it, if it was the first drive of uh, the game, then yeah, but I don't know. I don't think they did. Uh, I can look it up real fast. Yeah, I can't remember, but gosh, that was weak. Big Ten refs, though. Maybe they call that in the Big Ten. Uh, well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not looking that up. We got to get going. Uh, yeah, that's all I have. Uh, I know, like, only, what, eight possessions by Oklahoma, so, like, they didn't have the ball very much. I don't know. Whatever. I There's probably some takes people can have there, but I don't really have any. Uh, I want them to play better. And now, all of a sudden, West Virginia – not a bad football team. They're coming off a big win, and hopefully the Sooners have uh, have. Hopefully, West Virginia has the Sooners' attention. There we go. I think. Uh, I mean, you hope so. I mean, they're getting, you know, six thirty ABC national game. You would hope they'd be pretty fired up for that. Yeah, and this was uh, my reasoning why this would not be any sort of trap type game, or because this is Big Twelve play beginning. And anytime the conference starts, you want to make a statement. And uh, and they didn't play West Virginia last season. First time they see him in a while. Maybe they're going to be excited to go after him. So we'll see what happens. Uh, West Virginia, kind of yeah. curious to go through their film this week. I am too. Um, Seth Dagey is a statue in the pocket, so that's fun. But I know they've been they've been kind of experimenting with more of a running quarterback the last couple weeks too. So um, presumably, if that is the case, OU will probably see just so much of that and lots of creativity from that but we'll cross that bridge we will indeed that's all we have for today we'll be back later in the week with our ou west virginia preview podcast apologies for the lateness of this release but uh uh, sometimes schedules work out that way but uh we as always we appreciate the support and thank you for listening this is west of everest if you enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe to the show And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.